0: Welcome. Legally Brief presents Changing Our Institutions. I'm your host, Judy Saunders. I'm a lawyer who works with private and public companies, educational institutions, and sports organizations to identify root causes, confront historic failures, and boldly implement change to our institutions. This podcast is for corporate change agents, disruptors, and mindset mavericks who are committed to making our institutions work better for themselves and the next generation. I wanna remind you that while I hope you enjoy every episode in the series that we're doing on changing our institutions, the content of this programming is not a substitute for speaking directly with an attorney who understands your unique circumstances. If you're looking for past episodes or information, please head on over to my website. There you'll find information and you can sign up for newsletters and you can learn more about me and my practice. I'm glad you're here. Let's get ready and let's talk and make some changes. As we continue on our month long celebration, recognition, and in this episode, maybe even secret hatred or disdain criticism of Title IX, wherever you could fall. Maybe you're celebrating Title IX. Maybe you're still kicking a wall and wishing that legislatures would have never, the Congress would have never enacted this piece of legislation. That's what we're going to talk about today. At each juncture, whether it's the 30-year anniversary, 20-year, 40-year anniversary, And today, at the 50 year anniversary, there are sides of this legislation that still maintain that Title IX has hurt college athletics on a whole and also men's sports in particular. Let's examine that today in a conversation. I start out by laying out the argument as best I can enunciate about why Title IX when it was enacted in 1972, has worked to harm college athletic programs for universities. Some would argue that while Title IX was meant to provide equal opportunity, that it instead generally caused men athletic programs to suffer. The argument by these critics goes on to state, That there are several hundred male athletic teams that have been eliminated. Some mark that number around four hundred to five hundred athletic teams that have been eliminated on college campuses because these universities could not comply with Title IX. That several sports, Olympic sports such as wrestling, swimming, and track and field, were hit hard and had to be. Eliminated, and that this trend will continue even to this day and, you know, regardless because of the enactment in Title IX. The argument says that Title IX is unfair to males because males are, more males are interested in competing in collegiate sports than women. And the law d- refuses and does not take a look at the ratio of men and women who want to participate in college sports rather it looks at the undergraduate student body and uses that as a gauge and because of that it's unfair the argument continues that since the law was put into place that society has changed and that the law should also change and that it is not it never have, and it's not evolving. It should be modified, and such programs, when you look at NCAA football programs, that there has to be a way to look at these larger revenue-producing programs and that they should be either totally exempt from Title IX regulations, and not only football, but some of the other basketball and other the, some of the other programs and that Title IX did not take that into account. So that's some of what the argument goes as to why Title IX is unfair. And I went back and I found, so we can continue this conversation, which again, I find interesting and provocative and a way for us, anytime we're trying to look at and make things better, more inclusive, we're trying to look at a system and see how it can change. We have got to be vulnerable. If you're having a conversation, you have to be willing to, regardless where you are, your position on a spectrum, you've got to be able to look at the other side because it's only through examining from all sides of an argument do you see the weaknesses even in your own position and you're able to benefit from that and prepare or build up or really meet any deficiencies that you could that, that are going on when you're trying to rebuild what I'm trying to say for example, there's not an attorney out here there's not an individual who's trying to persuade or sell I don't care if you're in sales or what have you you don't prepare you don't really do strategy or plan for something without listening to your critics without understanding what it is, the weakness of your argument. You don't walk in front of a jury or judge, or you don't walk into a client consultation without having examined the weaknesses of your case. And so that's what this episode is about. We're seeing, are there weaknesses in Title IX? We had an episode where we talked about how will Title IX, can it accommodate transgender athletes? So now we're talking about, is Title IX actually hurting and not helping our colleges and universities in athletics. Here are some myths that were enunciated in a Washington Post article about Title IX. We know from a history, just very briefly, that Title IX was enacted in 1972 to provide access and opportunity in college sports to female athletes. And it applies to any program that's receiving federal assistance, federal funds. Soon after, it it may have been the next year, you had the um, Senator Towers amendment. You had other representatives try to soften the impact and the intent of the legislation. And as the law has matured and been applied to different college programs, individuals have come out with not even trying to disguise their disdain. Some critics, as I was just talking about before laying out the argument, some critics just say bluntly, Title IX harms male athletics because it's trying to do something that it shouldn't. In In its hot pursuit, critics would say, to increase the opportunities for male in school sports, it's actually hurt male athletics. So... When we talk about that, we have to look at, so let's look at that argument. Some would argue that Title IX requires quotas. If you require quotas, that is going to harm the status quo. Well, in actuality, Title IX does not require quotas. It merely requires that schools put aside opportunities and provide participation in a non-discriminatory way. That schools have to be lenient and flexible, and they have to allow for participation for female athletes. Well, what about does Title IX force schools to cut spending for boys and men? To the contrary, Title IX does not require or they don't want our college programs to cut opportunities for men and boys. What it allows and sets out is guidance on how to provide choices and how to structure their programs, how to allocate resources. So if you have a large revenue producing basketball and football program, how instead to allocate those resources to provide sporting opportunities for females. Has there been a decline in male sports because of Title IX? So did Title IX have such a negative impact? that our college sporting programs, that there's a decline for men. To the contrary, opportunities for men in sport has only increased steadily over the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. That memberships in the organization, the NCAA, that has increased, has not dropped opportunities for men. That there have been some trends when I was talking before about wrestling and track and field suffering, there's evidence that would suggest that dropping or the reduction in wrestling and certain Olympic sports is not because there's no correlation that it's a result of Title IX, but instead it's a trend where some sports were dropped, wrestling, male gymnastics, and in the alternative, you'll see the increase. There was an interest and growing trend to add soccer, baseball, and lacrosse. I know in the area where, where I grew up partially in Maryland, lacrosse has always been popular. So you would have seen those teams at Georgetown or John Hopkins or University of Maryland go Maryland. They just won the lacrosse championship. But And those sports were popular in different regions. In New Jersey now, my boys, they play lacrosse, but you know, in nineteen eighties or nineties, that sport was not popular, as popular in New Jersey. So it's a trend, some would argue, is the reason why wrestling or male gymnastics has been dropped and not because of Title IX. Does Title IX demand that schools spend equally on male and female sports? Title IX does not have to, your college program does not have to have an equality Of spending. Instead, it would require, so the law recognizes, and I'm taking this from the Washington Post, an article that looked more deeply. And when we look at Title IX, that the law recognizes, for example, that football uniforms are going to cost more than, say, what a swimsuit would cost. And it takes that into an account. So it's not telling you don't, you have to spend exactly dollar for dollar what you're spending in a male sport as you would in a women's sport. So it takes that into account and it allows the school athletic programs to provide, proportionally, if you're going to provide the best equipment for your football program, likewise, you have to do that for your female lacrosse program or your female soccer program. And if you don't do that, then that's where you run afoul of Title IX laws. When we Go to some other questions about Title IX and does it require this, also this, this idea of spending, that it has to be the dollar for dollar spending. I want to be clear that under the Javits Amendment to Title IX, it provided that there has to be taken into account legitimate and justifiable discrepancies for non-gender related differences in sports. I'm taking this from what I've read and what I've understood. And again, that example, the easiest way to describe this is when you look at the male football programs and the gear that they need, the protective gear, and you look at, so for example, a soccer, what you need in soccer. So it would allow and take into account those discrepancies in the cost of that equipment, but would require that you provide the same quality. But if you look at the same program, so you look at the soccer program for the males, soccer program for females, you can't say provide the protective headgear for the male program And you can't provide it for the female, or you can't provide, you know, lower level shin guards for the female soccer players than you would for the male. You saw this, and I have to just add a little footnote. You see this discrepancy, even it was litigated by the women's national team when they talked about the pay gap. There was a lawsuit that was going on last year by the two teams. Part of that lawsuit had to had to also deal with. The the food, the housing accommodations when they traveled, even the transportation. And so that case was recently settled. So this whole idea of equality in sport, it extends beyond what's going on in Title IX in college. It extends to the professional level. So we saw that that was an interesting example. Title IX doesn't require identical athletic programs for male and females. The law does not require identical athletic programs for male and females, but the law does require that the programs meet the interests and abilities of each gender. Okay. One team is not compared to the same team in each sport. Some of these are case specific, but what has to be taken away from the question of whether Title IX has harmed male sports? Harmed college athletics is you have to look at the trends and you have to look at the hard data. And everything in the hard data shows that the enactment of this legislation that was done to open up access and opportunity to women in sports has not harmed male programming. If anything, male programming has increased. The dollar value, the revenue producing the opportunities for male athletes still far outweighs that of female athletes. The salaries for coaches in collegiate football are for the big five, for the big schools, the big athletic programs are higher than that of even the governor of many of these states. So as a total, As a whole, Title IX has not harmed. We have to continue to debunk these myths. We have to continue to be open to the aberrations of the law where individuals or programs may be hurt and think creatively how not to be in a mindset where we're going to restrict the intent of this law, that intent being access and opportunity. And fairness for female athletes. We have to be open to the case by case is where there may be someone who's saying, Well, look, this is unintentionally harming me. I'm never closing down my ears when that could cross, whether I support a law, a legislation, a policy. I'm never closed off from hearing arguments from the other side. But on a whole, We know that Title IX, or it's my position, I feel that Title IX has been a benefit to college sports, to athletics, to the college experience on a whole. And if you have a differing opinion, I encourage you to please leave a comment. Tell us how maybe Title IX or disparities within your own college program is harming you did hurt you in your college experience. And if you want to look at some of the numbers, some of the charts of whether your school is compliant with Title IX, check out championforwomen.org, which is an advocacy group. And they have on there a graph, a tracking of how Title IX is being impacted and whether your school is compliant. Check that out to see a little bit more about the numbers. We can't operate in this area of just strictly emotions for or against something. Sometimes we have to look at the data. We have to look at the science, look at the tracking and the measurements and then work off of that to see both sides of the argument, see the weaknesses of our own, be willing to evolve, be willing to change. But know that anytime you have an opportunity to be more inclusive, to allow people to belong, to not separate them, that's always worth taking advantage for, always worth investigating. Until next time, be well, and it's been a real joy to have this conversation with you. Take care. information and content in this podcast is provided for entertainment purposes only. Nothing in this podcast shall constitute legal advice and shall not create an attorney-client relationship. This information is general and may not be applicable to your particular circumstances. You should review your particular circumstances with an attorney. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast is hereby expressly disclaimed.